You are listening to the Sweet 929 Podcast Network, only on Spotify. You're listening to Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim, presented by Sweet 929. All guests appear courtesy of Tech We Like. Chuck Holiday here. My guest today is a world-renowned woman. <laughs> we can say that, right? Uh, I mean, I've been around the world. <laughs> You're a world-renowned I, I, woman. I don't know what kind of reputation that left, but that would be renowned, I guess. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Who has done a ton of things in all things media, as well as a variety of other avenues, and probably our biggest accomplishment, being a mom. Jen Moxley, Jennifer Moxley, full name. Welcome, I appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much for um, acknowledging the fact that I'm a mom. I think so many times people dismiss the true job and dedication it takes to be a mom. Uh, and it has been my most rewarding job, the most demanding job, the most fulfilling job, and always, no matter how driven I've been in my career, my number one job. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a 24-hour job, and it's something that you can't turn away from, but also there's something that you can excel at, and that's what you have been able to do. You know, that's not easy. A lot of people have not really excelled at that, so... No, it doesn't slow down. That. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. And it doesn't slow down either. You know, my kids are 27 and almost uh, 24, and it doesn't it doesn't change that feeling. Not of, at all. You know, worry and guidance and being a role model for them and just love and it doesn't change. You know, you think once they get out on their own, something changes and at least it hasn't for me. I I am just as dedicated as being a mom to them as ever. Absolutely. And being a mom never stops. And when I tell you I am 46 years old and when my mom finds out that I'm leaving town, she will text me or call me to ask me if I remember to pack my socks. So, <laughs> yes, I'm 46 and I still get that question. So, <laughs> And, you know, you even acknowledging and responding and, and uh, appreciating her concern gives her some value and purpose in your life still. And I think, you know, as our kids get older, that's what we're looking for is a place of importance in their lives. And you have to work at that sometimes. So yeah, it's a gift that you give your mom when you're like, got him, take a picture, <laughs> send it to her. Sometimes you can act like you forgot him and she helped you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'll text in and, and call in, but yeah, yeah. So I, I totally understand, even at 46, I totally understand, so. <laughs> I want to get into this career of yours because it has really transcended and you have blazed a trail. First and foremost, Sunshine Media is named after your middle name. That alone is, is uh, you know, I, I wish I could do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, my middle name is just D, so that ain't going to work. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's funny, Chuck, I think a lot of people run from something that's different when they're younger and something that other kids make fun of or isn't like their peers. And, you know, I ran for my middle name anytime it came up because it was different and it was a easy target, I guess, for me being a, a weirdo. And then when it was time for me to leave local news and jump out on my own, I originally started Sunshine Documentary Films 
that was the direction I wanted to go. Sunshine being not just my middle name, but also the concept that the Sunshine Laws shine light on government wrongdoing and, and government um, actions. And, you know, as a journalist at heart and that journalist background, starting a newspaper, you know, I've always been a bulldog for transparency in all spaces and and pushing against the norm and holding people accountable and playing devil's advocate for lack of a better term. And so Sunshine really just made sense because I wanted to shine a light on stories that weren't told. You know, being in local news, you see who dominates the news cycle. You see who makes news decisions. You see who edits what we get to cover and what we don't get to cover. And um, I very quickly changed from Sunshine Documentary Films being a more long-term goal, a long-term thing to Sunshine Media Network uh, because I was then able to encompass nurturing, training, mentoring, um, black, minority, and women video production talent, which I saw a huge need for in uh, the freelance world, in the news world. I was able to bring in, you know, earned media work that I do, helping minority and women experts and entrepreneurs get that, in the news. I, I don't want to cut you off. That's a key word right there. Earned media. That's a very key word. That's a key term right there. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. Earned media, because at the end of the day, they deserve to be in the news. And I'm trying to bridge that gap, you know, of having a great story screaming into the void and actually being seen and heard by those folks who are making the decisions in newsrooms. Um, and then the video production arm of my experience and background was able to fit under that Sunshine Media Network umbrella. Disclaimer, I've collapsed with you. <laughs> well, and, you, and you're one of my favorite stories. Um, and I just told this last week to someone because the situation came up again, uh, where we both went to bid on a job and saw each other in the waiting room. And when I left, I was like, why the hell are we bidding against each other? We should just work together. That just makes sense. And I have no problem reaching out for those conversations. And it came up again. I was, uh, someone reached out to me to bid on a job and I mentioned another videographer team and the client said, oh, well, you know, in transparency, we're getting a bid from them too. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll just see if we all want to work together. Like, why not? Yeah. You know, that way I oh, can yeah. do what I'm really good at and you can do what you're really good at. And we have, you know, as entrepreneurs, the, the more strength we have in numbers, the better. Absolutely. And I wish everybody thought that way because then the world would be a much better place. I mean, at least in my opinion, things, particularly amongst us media people behind the scenes, things would be so much better if we actually understood the value in collaborating and strengthening numbers. I think that that's something that's so lost in this whole kind of era right now is everybody's you know on their own and everybody's standing alone but there's nothing wrong with collaborating and I, I enjoyed my time working with you I thought it was fun and great and like you said we play to each other's strengths which is something that is very key when you are collaborating so you don't want to just collab just collab but we focus on each other's strengths and I thought that was great yeah yeah I can shoot all day long with the best of them I would rather not <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like I can, but the, these bones don't like those days anymore, you know, and, and honestly, Chuck, uh, you know, being a woman behind the camera, I've had just enough uncomfortable, weird, awkward 
air in the room oh, that if I absolutely. can hire I someone else, you know, I'd rather hire someone else. I, I know you have been, and, and you know, I'm not going to get too, too into triggering parts of it, but you mentioned that you were in the newsroom and newspapers and doing local, local news. And I mean, look, we, we've all worked in a lot of this realm and you know, you're a woman in production and I know you had to deal with so much on that end in terms of just the the just everything the x the s and m that comes with all of that which is sad because it shouldn't have to be that way you know For it sure. shouldn't have to be that way it's, at all uh but it's across so many occupations in so many spaces and um you know i sadly had to experience what almost every woman has to experience no matter what news what occupation she's in you know what space she's in and i think um you know the older i've gotten the more i've realized that I, at least i have white privilege on my side where i can mm -hmm. speak up for other mm -hmm. people and perhaps be heard in a way that others aren't um mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other privileges that you know, people carry that aren't just based on race. Um, and sometimes being a woman is a privilege. You know, I'm able to bend the ear of someone um, and and someone you interviewed um, on the show. I cannot remember her name right now. I listened to her episode a while ago. She said the same thing. It was a matter of using your femininity to your advantage to a degree, just the same on the same spectrum that it hurts us. Um, and I will never forget a woman that I've worked with um, in the past. She is in her 60s now. And she she said, and this is stuck with me, Chuck, and I, I kind of don't want to see it happen, but I've had several women in their 60s and older affirm that this is how it is, that as women age, we become invisible. And so, yeah. you know, it's one yeah. thing to be the target of all this negative uh, energy and attention and harassment and poking and prodding and whatever else comes with being a woman. And then there comes an age at which you're not viable in other people's eyes and you're just invisible in the room. And when she enlightened me to that happening, I thought I'm going to take all the advantages I can of where I am with what I have and and try to use that to benefit not just me but others and open doors and create opportunities and you know start dialogues with people who need to have um, those conversations for opportunity no you're right and when I worked at Bloomberg it pushed Betty Lou out the door uh, particularly because of her age it wasn't because of her job she did a great job and her program was ranked amongst the top five on cable for that hour. They pushed her out because of her age. And, and that's it's sad. I watched it with Sue Simmons at NBC New York. They did the same thing to her. And, you know, at one point they were trying to do that with Tamsin Fidel up at uh, WPIX in New York. She's still there, though. Thank God she's still there. But it's just sad to see that. And I don't, I hate, that's the one thing I hate particularly in the television and production business and just television as a whole. I hate that with women, there's a time limit. There's an age time limit. 
That's that. It shouldn't have to be. You got sleazy seventy-year-olds. You got Harrison Ford out here who's like ninety-nine years old, and he's jumping and punching people. And then his woman on his side is Gail Godot, like like thirty. You know, it's 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 embarrassing and it's depressing and it's sad because that what is what is the age saying? Like it's saying nothing. You know, you have incredible women out here. Who are over the age of fifty that are doing amazing things? Regina, I think Regina King's nearing that, and and some other people they're doing amazing things. It's just sad to watch that, you know. But I、It、do、is. appreciate the. I think we're pushing, 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 and I do appreciate the women in their fifties, sixties, seventies, not just being change makers, but talking about their age in that same space. You know,、um, you, you know, it's and and they're being more focused on, oh my gosh, she looks great at fifty, and people having the response, why wouldn't she? Why I, she's she's only fifty,、uh, you know, and so I think there is a shift in in the trend going on, and you know, I'm happy to be a part of that dialogue. You know, when people say I look younger than I am. You know,、mm-hmm. I always push back with like, well, what am I supposed to look like? You know, what、Thank、is you. this、you. age supposed to look like? And、um, and you know, we all have to do what we can with where we are, with what we have. So I, I think people have the the mind frame that people in general, and this is not even just women, but even men in their forties. Have the look of, I guess, the Golden Girls. And, <laughs> But and... in fairness, did you just see that Twitter thread <laughs> with all the ages of the people from the shows in the seventies and the eighties? Okay,、yes. Chuck, they did look old. They looked <laughs> old as hell. <laughs> and when I see that I'm older than them, I'm like, "There's no way. What were we doing back then? What What was going on in the eighties?" I、80s? have to agree. Yeah, I think I saw something about Hal Williams who used to be in Two Two Seven and was something else. And I think I did see a photo of him at thirty seven. And I said, "Wait a minute. I thought that, I thought maybe they switched the age or something." But okay, yes,、yeah, so、you have a good point there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess it's all relative. But、yeah. you know.、Um, That was something that pushed me out of a newsroom when younger, cheaper were, you know, getting hired and promoted,、um, and I had not even peaked. I hadn't even remotely peaked. I I still saw myself as a student of the process and of journalism and how are younger, cheaper people, you know, passing me, and not because I wasn't offered, but it was. I, I was like, this is not a beneficial opportunity for me. To take, and so when I passed it up, it was younger, cheaper, and I thought, so what is? Where do I go from here?、Um, I didn't see anywhere to go in local news. I looked at other cities, you know, but at that point, quality of life was really important to me. Yes,、um, yes. My boys were probably ten and thirteen at the time, and、uh, it just it it just didn't make sense for me to move to a bigger market just to say that I had been there. And so I、um, looked at a few friends who had jumped into freelance and just made the leap myself. And it's been the best decision I ever made, being、wow. my own boss and reaping the benefits of the 15-hour days and you know the 11 p.m. bedtime and the 3 a.m. wake up and、yeah. hauling gear in the rain. Like 
if I'm going to do it, I want to reap the benefits of that and not get a measly paycheck, free cable and health insurance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which means that also means fun. no bathroom break, no lunch break, no Christmas, no first day of school and you miss Halloween. Tell me about <laughs> it. Wasn't it wasn't worth it. Tell me about it. And I know all too well about that having to work uh, uh, those holidays because I didn't have kids. So I was first in line to work those holidays. So let's talk about you launching Sunshine Media Network and in, in, in its early version of it, how hard was it for you to begin the prep up, making that leap out of TV and it more or less, you know, structured TV as we like to call it, or organized TV, and to now prepare for this. And, and there's a lot of elements with preparing, with bringing in extra team members and, and getting them, not even just bringing them in, but getting them to buy in. Mm. How much was the preparation for this? Because that that's not easy. Even as a man, that's not easy. Mm. So I uh, appreciate the question because I like talking about this because I'm not the kind of person who says, if you believe in yourself and you just take the risk, it'll pay off. <laughs> I like to talk about <laughs> the actual facts. Um, and the facts to my story uh, into entrepreneurism are that I did not come from a family with any support or money, um, a very fractured home. I uh, was single most of my career. <laughs> I was married for 10 years and then got divorced. So I didn't have a spouse to lean on for financial support. Um, I was coming out of being a reporter um, and actually um, a big a big time of my journalism career was spent in um, you know, domestic violence that included financial abuse, which means, you know, mm. you leave a marriage with no money <laughs> and yeah. a lot of debt uh, because financial abuse is one of those things that a lot of people don't talk about, but it traps women. Um, and, and that's where I was. I, I was trapped financially. But luckily, uh, when I stepped out, I was able to make it work. And I was fortunate to meet a man who was a satellite truck operator. I had met him 10 years prior. And uh, he was a satellite truck operator, TV engineer. And 10 years prior, he said, here's my card. I want to work with you. Been watching you all night. We were covering Elizabeth Dole for Senate. Been watching you all night. And you're a hustler. You're exactly what I need. Da, 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 da. And I thought he was just hitting on me because I was so green <laughs> that my own news director didn't have me on air that night. So I was literally wow. just a production assistant gopher for that, that news wow. coverage. So of course, if I didn't believe in myself, why would I think this man believed in me or saw potential? And so fast forward 10 years, as I climbed in local news, um, I would run into him on national stories. So I covered an international news murder case and he put me on Nancy Grace and headline news as the sat truck operator. So my contract's coming up. I'm not making any money. Cheaper Younger's getting hired. And I was going to New York to cover the 10 year memorial of 9-11. Mm -hmm. And I pulled a bunch of business cards out and said, when I get back from New York, I'm going to reach out to this guy. He's obviously doing something right. He's been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to see, you know, if he has any opportunities for, for me or knows anybody. Chuck, when I was in New York, he emailed me completely randomly. We didn't have a relationship like that. He said, do you know anybody who rents Anton Bauer batteries? I was like, this is so freaking weird that you email me because I was going to email you when I got back and I hadn't seen him in a while. 
And I don't even I don't even know if I knew his name at that point. I just recognized him. He's a black man, TV engineer, mm-hmm. sack truck operator. Even those are kind of unique in the field. That's very rare. Yeah. 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 Rare. So um, when I got back from New York, we met for breakfast and we met for six hours. And at that, wow. at that we closed it was a pancake house over here. And we closed the place down. We stood in the parking lot, talked even longer, and I made the decision. I don't know this man. I have no idea what is going to happen, but he had seven kids. He'd done this for way longer than 10 years. He knew what he was talking about. He had vision and Mm -hmm. he was worth taking a risk on. I thought if he could support his family in this job, then I can take a risk on him for my family and myself. And so I put my notice in and uh that was in september and then started working with him in january and then finally left news totally i think that march and i worked with him because he ran a satellite truck uh that some investors owned we had work so it's it's it truly is mm-hmm. if you build it they will come Absolutely. So we had a satellite truck that he ran um, and then my job was to crew the truck because the people who own the satellite truck didn't want to get involved in all that messiness. They were making enough yeah. money off of live hits. So I started crewing the truck and sometimes I would be the camera operator. Sometimes I'd be the audio engineer. Sometimes I would do lighting, producing. I did whatever other job needed to be done and then hired additional crew um, to fill those needs. And so that's how I got started. Together, because I he had my support and energy, he was able to expand his vision and he was such a visionary and took so many crazy risks. And I learned so much from him about what some people call the male mentality of, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to say yes. Where sometimes you hear women want to know 98% of the job before they say yes. He wasn't like that. If we had never done it before, if we didn't have the equipment, if it didn't, Chuck, we, the craziest jobs would come in and I'd be like, we can't do it. And he would say, yes. I'm like, oh shit. And then you just have to do it. You have to figure it out. And we always did. So that is how I got my start. And I worked with him. Oh, so his vision was to build insert studios. So we built, because he had done that before in other states and was very successful and charlotte only had a few insert studios so we Mm -hmm. built an insert studio and then i predominantly ran the insert studio for the network um, live hits and then we built a second insert studio and then we bought our own satellite truck um and then we bought our own production truck um wow and so it was we were able to grow because there was a need and he had the vision and took the risk and we both put all of our energy into it Now, what I will say, what I saw was across the industry, we just had less. We had less than our peers. And I think it was just kind of that, you know, systemic structure of, you know, the black community that he came from and the poor white community that I came from and being a teen mom and just all of the the things that created the lack of access to resources for us. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to blame all of it on that, but I just saw how we were working, investing into the company, working, investing into the company where our peers, predominantly white men, seemed to have a lot more connections, 
seem to have a lot more generational wealth to lean on. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe their dad gave them the company mm -hmm. or, you know, their dad was connected in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was also just this disrespect of people called us as a last resort when no one else would do the job or people called us when it was low budget. Yeah, I, I've never been a fan of stuff like that. Never, never. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a sense of pride when a network calls you and there's a job in four hours and you take yeah. it and you hustle and you make it. But here's the sick thing about that mentality that I had to really grow out of. I think it comes from a hustle mindset. It never pays off. No. They always look at you as the lesser. They yeah. always, they never reward you for the success, for the work, for the making, making it happen with less. It, it yeah. never pays off. They always treat you that way as the lesser. And so um, we started shifting our philosophy of don't call us when everyone else has said no, because you're not paying enough. Because we're not that team either, you know, especially he, God, Chuck, he's, he's the best TV engineer I've, I've ever met. Like he could solve any problem, just dangerously wow. smart. Um, and so that was how I got started was just the opportunity of having the production truck. And then Charlotte was prime for that kind of business because we're small, but big, but growing, but not. Yeah. Um, yeah. The DNC is really what propelled me to jump into freelance, but the DNC didn't create the jobs. Everybody said it would. Uh, you know, Interesting. We oh God, let me tell you about that. We worked a really long time on the bid for minority um, jobs with the mm -hmm. contract. And one of my colleagues ended up winning that contract and it only paid for three or four positions, <laughs> which wow, not how it was not presented. Enough. And not enough. one of the crew members actually stayed at my apartment because they really didn't have enough budget to cover housing. I was chauffeuring another crew member around because, you know, Ubers and taxis also were going to eat into that budget they were yeah. given. So, you know, there were so many ways, Chuck, in that experience that that whole six years I was with him um, and really immersed in predominantly black talent in mm -hmm. production that I saw so many discrepancies. And it just reinforced my mission to build this industry with more women and more minority talent um, because it, it, it's just deserved. There, it's just, we deserve more. We all deserve more. And there's enough to go around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, look, I, I'm here to tell you, I was one of the very few camera operators that worked in local TV in New York for a long stretch from 2010 to, I believe, 2014. At one point, I was the only black camera operator and lead camera operator at that. And then when I switched over to national, uh, international news, um, I was also one of the only black, you know, camera operators. And at one point, um, when I switched over from NBC News over to Fox News for my brief run there, I was the only production person that was black, mm. which in itself was crazy. Um, disclaimer, I only worked the mornings at Fox News, Fox Business, 
not the evenings. You know, everybody mm -hmm. immediately thinks of um, the evening stuff, but they have a, a difference there. The mornings are the um, the hard news, and then the evenings are the opinion people. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's mm -hmm. it's crazy, and just the understanding that you know you had the will to win, and that you had to work with a little bit lesser, probably fuel the energy to really put forth the even better effort. It's crazy that y'all have to put in half, I'm sorry, twice the effort mm -hmm. to get half the respect. Mm -hmm. And that's something and, that I've always noticed. Go ahead. No, and, and that is common in so many industries. And here again, I still have the privilege of being a white woman and getting some forgiveness because mm -hmm. of that. At the same time, having the obstacle of being a woman in a male-dominated field, yeah, uh, you know, it was just—I don't know, Chuck. It the the tone, the the air. You know, people who don't understand it don't understand it, but the people who do know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, like the little jokes. People would come to our studio. <laughs> like we worked for every presidential candidate. Like we have worked for mm -hmm. every national, a lot of international networks. There isn't a TV production job that we weren't capable of um, or had not been in, uh, inquired to do or had done. And him way more than me. And people will come to our studio consistently and joke that we must have made porn there. I'm oh, like, this on. is really weird. Like. You Ooh. would not say that. You would not say that to two white dudes running a studio. Like you exactly. would walk in exactly. and make a joke like that. Like, I don't get it. It's so weird. It, uh, it's unfortunately, it's so common. And I, when I worked at Bloomberg TV, some of the jokes that I heard there were just asinine. Some of them I'm saying, come on, man. Like you have no business even opening your mouth. Like really, like mm -hmm. it's, yeah, and, and when I tell you the jokes were actually crazier than what you had to do. Uh, <laughs> I don't doubt jokes. it, Chuck. I you don't know, doubt it's, it. It's a shame. It, it's a shame that that is a part of the culture, and that's actually what drove me out of that altogether. And I can only imagine, you know, with you emotionally, you probably had to deal with. Well, um, I, I I wouldn't even go that far, Chuck, because what I saw with my partner um, is just so much bias against him as a black man. Um, and, and I, in my own space now, I've been on my own for four years. Um, I saw a lot of conflict directed at my, my former partner, um, that was just unnecessary and unwarranted. He, he was actually stopped at one of the president at the Trump presidential, uh, stop mm -hmm. he was stopped. He was the pull satellite truck for every fucking national camera. Wow! Stopped at the venue. I wasn't with him at that at that job, um, and he was stopped wow. at the venue, questioned, harassed, unwarranted. Uh, you know, and that was that was a regular thing. I'll never forget. Um, one time we were doing a job at Maya Angelou's house. Um, a lot of people know I worked with her, her the last year of her life. We were her mm -hmm. videographer team. And um, I think she was in Winston. I always get Winston and High Point mixed up. I think she's in Winston. Mm -hmm. And um, I was working on setting up the shot with the crew and he had already set the truck up. So he took my car to go get everybody lunch. He was stopped for no reason harassed by the police and mm. i'm not breaking news here at all you know what i mean mm -hmm. but when i tell people 
his experiences, they're just shocked. And I'm like, no, he, you know, he's not, he wasn't doing anything. He was just driving my car registered to a Jennifer. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, a, in a, yeah. a city that he probably shouldn't have uh, been registered in. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. Just, oh yeah. Go I wouldn't ahead, say ahead. that I've experienced worse than you at all because seeing his experiences and hearing his experiences, I've not encountered that. And, you know, and that's completely unfair. And then as I have been on my own, um, nurturing minority and women experts in my own space, particularly black women in this space, again, like black women with that intersectionality just have so many more obstacles than both of us so yeah, unfairly. I agree. And I just, whatever I can do to change that, to fight it, to bring awareness to it from other people who look like me, um, I'm, I'm absolutely going to do it. And I spend a lot of time trying to build up women, black women in particular in this industry and diverse voices in this business because we need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I worked at NBC off and on for six years. And when I tell you, I was stopped at the front security probably about three times a week. Oh, I was full-time working and I was stopped at least three times a week for about four years. Um, having to, you know, show badge and show ID and, and at one point having them having to call up to make sure I wasn't coming up to steal and yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. yeah. And, you know, for all the shit that I, I have to deal with and women have to deal with, like, you know, when safety is an issue and your security is an issue and mm -hmm. it's just, it adds so much. It just adds so much stress and it's just really unfair and you know i'm i'm happy to take my experiences and the experiences of those around me who trust me to share them and and try to communicate those to people who will maybe listen to me before they would listen to you know someone else so definitely definitely you have a team now and you are firmly established particularly in the carolinas and beyond now as a tv production um source and you have done work for tv uh, particularly just Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery now, I gotta remember saying that, and a few other outlets um, for a variety of shows. You're looking ahead now and, and you've been through all of this stuff. What is now your new focus in terms of looking at the next year and two and this, this new kind of era where the, the storytelling has now become more of a premium demand than anything else? Uh, well, I, I, the mission is still the same, but it does look different how it uh, comes to fruition and partly because of COVID, um, you know, and also, uh, you know, just the shift in evolution of, of myself. And so uplifting and amplifying the stories of minority and women experts and entrepreneurs, that is it. And the way that shows up is when when people are ready, as you, we mentioned earlier, for that earned media, for that mm -hmm. larger platform, they've hit a ceiling, you know, they built a business, they have a customer base, they're doing all the right things, but they are shouting into the void. I'm perfect for that. All right, let's come in, let's hear what your actual story is, and let's find ways that we can connect you to the white privileged media. Um, 
And then once we get in the door, we get to do what we want to do. <laughs> we do what you want to do, right? And, and yeah. that has that has always been um, something that I'm passionate about. And I've been able to be just kind of the person that kicks open the door and then gets out of the way. Um, because the job is not on me to tell the story. The job is on me to um, uplift someone and remind them of who they are and clear all the noise out that they've been told, that they've felt, that they've, you know, seen. Um, that's really where my strength is. And, and to just be their biggest cheerleader that they may not have seen in someone like me before. Um, and I love doing that because it makes our society a better place. We're hearing from more voices. We're seeing different looking experts. Uh, we shouldn't have to look so far to see experts of all shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds and religions. And unfortunately, we still have to. Um, and I also started a video series podcast in which I interview women about their obstacle and their occupation. Mm -hmm. And that leans into my mission. And so our first season has 16 episodes and we have dynamic. I'm so proud of the dynamic. I'm proud of you too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the makeup of the talent that trusted me with their story to put it out there from you know, a black woman who's a construction project manager um, who shared how she overcame domestic violence um, and how she thrived after, you know, figuring out her voice matters and, her, and she matters. Um, God, so many, so many. A first generation Indian woman who is an accountant entrepreneur, um, you know, and she talks about several ops I mean just so many Chuck just so many we even have a 14 year old pastry chef entrepreneur who has been working in her company for two years like she is in her calling um and it's just beautiful to see all of these women and when you put them on paper they all look so different but mm -hmm. there were so many common threads in their story and and so many beautiful similar human experiences that I think a lot of us have kind of witnessed or, or gone through. Um, and I'm just so excited to bring them in. We give them a professional makeup job. Um, you know, I treat this like an Oprah Winfrey style production. I take it hundred percent seriously. <laughs> uh, you know how important that is. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, we just really talk about them and for some of these women, it may have been like the first time that they were able to really look at their journey and be proud of what they've gone through. And that is transformative. Um, I had one um, interview with a graffiti artist entrepreneur, and they shared their obstacle of being a suicide survivor. And Chuck, the text messages and emails and, you know, just outreach of people I knew and people I didn't know. And they also received feedback. Like, you can't, what? <laughs> if wow. I can do that, if I can do that, if I can make someone feel seen, I feel like, you know, my purpose is, is being fulfilled. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that's incredible. It's incredible to hear. 
I'm going to get you out of here. Which of the three words is really in your lane right now? Redesign, rebuild, or reclaim? It could be any of the three, two of the three, three of the three. <laughs> you know what, Chuck? It's reclaim for sure. <laughs> in the words of the phenomenal uh, representative of our country, Maxine Waters, um, mm -hmm. reclaiming my time. Um, I know has resonated with so many people and I feel like I'm finally reclaiming my time and, and doing what I'm meant to do instead of what everybody wants me to do or what I should do. And in reclaiming myself and, and my heart calling, um, I'm truly able to help other people and it's a really beautiful thing to see happen. Um, so reclaim is where I am in, in this life cycle, this life season. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> Jen, it's incredible to have you on. Uh, we can do this all day. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something all day <laughs> when we get together talking about video production, talking about the wrongs, the rights, the goods, yeah. the bads. It's definitely, it, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky I found this industry. No one told me growing up I could be a camera operator. No one told me I could edit video. No one told me I could own wow. my own company. So I'm so wow. fortunate. I stumbled into this great creative outlet um, and people like yourself that, you know, really do these things um, just to kind ah, of fulfill you that. You do this stuff too, Jen. You do this stuff. Look, look, real quick. And, and you know, I'm going to say it for what it is. Everything production does not mean holding a camera. There's so many other aspects that are just as important, if not more important, from a TV production standpoint, sometimes people don't realize that, that it's the other things that, that look, I'm not anything of who I am without people along the lines doing the other things that make everything push along. You know, and when me and you worked for a number of projects, including Charlotte Works, you know, you did so many incredible things things that I would have never been able to do. <laughs> I'd still be standing there. You know, I'd still be standing at Google Fiber. Like, what are we doing? Oh, my God. You gosh. know, and, and, you know, I think that sometimes people don't realize is that, again, there's so many other important roles in TV production that don't involve a camera that yeah. still make a, a huge impact, sometimes a bigger impact than the camera itself. Yeah. And I'm always grateful to somebody like you who understands that and not only has excelled at that, but you've doubled down on that. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. And, you and know, I mean, that. I, mean that. I, you know, I, I don't appreciate have a it. Here, so. I, I do. I do appreciate that. And, you know, I'm not a man hater. I love men, but I will definitely say y'all need a woman on your crew. Women oh, absolutely. bring something so special to video and television production. They take it to the next level. I love working with women. I love seeing women find their confidence in this industry, particularly behind the scenes, because so many are pushed in front of the camera. But when you find your niche, whether it's directing or producing or audio engineering, lighting, oh mm -hmm. my God, I just love having women on a team and you know when when i see that diamond in the rough i'm like come on 
I'm gonna build you up right now because we need you. You're good. Don't let anyone tell you you're not. And oh no, definitely, definitely. Look, my my career is owed to women. Kenya Thomas got me into video and TV production in the first place, and also got me my first TV gig at ABC Buffalo, as well as Aaron Ralph, who got me my first real gig in magazine work and and other production avenues and things like that. I'm always grateful to women because without women, I would still be trying to be a cop. So I'm, I'm Jesus, totally, Chuck. Yes. Oh, <laughs> what? Oh, God. Don't make me look at you differently. <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm grateful. Women to Kenya saved your life, sir. <laughs> I'm for real. Without Kenya, I would be still trying to do that. So I'm, I'm always grateful to that. Oh, so, man. You know, man. Definitely. Yeah. I, I appreciate having you on and, and, um, it, that, oh, and just and also to add on, this is another reason why I brought on Nicole Blake as now a partner of the Sweet Nine Two Nine. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's just so her her expertise and, and and experience is so valued because she came in from day one and said, "You need to change some things around here." And and without her, you know, I don't know what I would be doing with this brand. She has dramatically changed the makeup and improvement of this brand from day one and i'm so grateful for that when in yeah. doubt well not even when in doubt but when in general trust women <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for having me on today chuck and um you know i appreciate you amplifying the voices of women your your past interviews have been really incredible and you know affirming when i hear another woman doing great things having the same struggles the same questions the same obstacles it, it really can just empower you to say, you know what? Shit's normal. Keep going. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. So I, and I love women who are honest about the journey um, because that also takes a level of vulnerability that we're not always allowed to have. So I appreciate that. No, definitely. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you for your contributions and continued work and success. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim, presented by Sweet929. All guests appear courtesy of TechWeLight. You can catch episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Sweet929.tv. Chuck Holiday signing off. The three R's. <laughs>